Hey, hey, welcome in. This is a new experimental second half of Filibuster coming at you later in the week. Uh, if you haven't heard our breakdown of DC United's one nothing win over Portland from last weekend, go back in your podcast feed and check that out. If you're here for the preview of Seattle's visit to DC, you're in the right place because DC United will welcome the Seattle Sounders to Audi Field Sunday night, 8 p.m., uh, watch it on Flow Sports or ESPN Plus, depending on your location or your uh, comfortability with certain technological things. Mark Kasner is an editor for Sounder at Heart, our sister site on SB Nation, and he joins us now to help uh, break this down. Mark, welcome to Filibuster. Thanks for having me. We have a little tradition on this show. We have to ask you, what are you drinking? Uh, right now I'm drinking water, but um, as we were talking earlier, uh, I, I do enjoy a good beer. I'm really into fresh hop season right now, which is just getting underway in the Pacific Northwest, which, um, in my opinion has the best beer in the country. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not familiar with fresh hop season. Oh, okay. Um, so being on the you know East what hops coast, are, so. right? Yeah, I know hops. And <laughs> I, I, I know hops are grown and everything. Um, yeah. I, I guess there is a season during which they are fresh um is which is right now are there particular beer styles that that come from from that yeah so it's mostly pale ales or uh ipas that you tend to get um you know hoppy beers that can be um that you get sort of the freshness um because uh the heart the hop harvest is happening um usually towards the beginning or late september depending on weather and whatnot um yakima washington which is about three hours east of seattle three and a half hours grows like 85 percent of the hops that's used in beer production mm. in the world so that is that i is didn't i i fun little i fact. feel like i was familiar with that stuff except the fact that um yakima is that far uh, away i thought all I, I don't know anything about where anything is in uh, Washington state. <laughs> I know that Seattle is very close to the ocean and then there's a lot of other stuff and I don't know where any of it is. Seattle's not that close yeah. to the Pacific ocean. No, close it's enough. not. It's, it's got a bay. It, it's like, yeah, it, it actually takes like probably three hours to get to the ocean. Well, okay. That's not completely true. Uh, if you drive North, it'll be a lot quicker. Like if you drive up to Bellingham, that's only like an hour and a half away. Another city that I'm familiar with by name, but if you told me to place it on the map, I'd be like, uh, I don't know. Um, it's kind of like DC. Just, if you if you wanted to get to the ocean, yeah. you could. You would right. drive three hours, but you could drive like an hour and a half, but you wouldn't be at a part of the Atlantic Ocean you'd want to be at. That's fair. Okay, I can figure this out. I <laughs> yeah, can figure this now. I mean, only everything on the West because... Coast is several hours away. We don't we don't have I... the the luxury of being on the east coast where everything is only like a train right away we don't even have trains here really you have a train to portland <laughs> at least at uh, one yeah, point you did it's it's still there but it's pretty unreliable and it kills people and yeah all right well that's not great Anyways. yeah anyway <laughs> on on happier things you guys beat the red bulls this weekend we sure did you guys thank beat you portland. for that yeah, we, thank, we did each other a favor. Well. <laughs> we're, we're the handshake meme. 
There we uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> just for just for the time being. Yes. And for, just, yeah, for, just now. for now. So so while we have this meme going, tell us about the game. How did you beat the Red Bulls? Give us oh, all man. the more details. Uh, so it looked like towards the beginning, about halfway through the first half, that we might actually see a Seattle Sounders comfortable win, which we haven't seen since, man, it feels like March, <laughs> pretty much that. Um, so Sounders went up 2-0 in the first half. Um, the Red Bulls, uh, was it right at the beginning of the second half? No. Um, in 27th minute, Aaron Long scored uh, off of a recycled free kick. And um, kind of in the second half, all Bedlam broke loose because uh, the Red Bulls started the started the half really well, got an equalizer towards like the 67th minute. Um, the Sounders had actually created enough chances in the first half to really put the game away, but um, that's just not something they do anymore, unfortunately. In <laughs> um, uh, Victor Rodriguez came back for the first time since I believe July 6th when we played the Columbus Crew. Um, he's kind of a, at one point he was a DP for us. He's a Tam winger. There's a lot of expectations for him this season, but just injuries have, have kept him out of the lineup, unfortunately. Um, so we've had to use things like uh, Harry ship on the wing or Christian Roldan with Jordy Dewem, who started at defensive midfielder. Um, he came on and really changed the game basically, um, which was really nice to see. He, created a own goal for the Sounders to go up uh, 3-2, a deflected goal off of Sean Davis. And then um, in late in stoppage time, he was sort of part of a um, a really beautiful like transition goal that the Sounders scored. And I think Ladero got on the end of it finally, but he had kind of um, – Rodriguez had a nice – the, the crazy diving header assist from Jordan Morris? No, that was, was the that second earlier? one. That was earlier. Yeah, that, that was Ladero's first goal. Ladero had two goals. Yeah. So it ended up looking like a pretty comfortable scoreline. You know, anytime you win 4-2, you're like, well, okay. I mean, you score four goals, you're pretty happy, but nothing's easy for the 2019 Seattle Sounders. And um, they proved that once again. <laughs> well, that's certainly a theme now that we're breaking the handshake. That's certainly a theme I hope continues. Yeah. Uh, how is it that the Sounders want to play? In an ideal world for Brian Schmetzer, how would how would the Sounders play? Yeah, so they really want to be um, a possession oriented team. They really they want to have most of the ball. Um, they've uh, they've sort of transitioned the way that their back line plays um, with uh, the retiring of Chad Marshall, who's um, you know probably the best defender in MLS history. Retired earlier this year with a um, deteriorating knee injury, sort of thing that lingered from. An injury he suffered in the playoffs last year, and he's also old. So, you know, that, that's kind of how things go. But um, so they have got two center backs, Kim Kihi and Javier Ariaga, who are, you know, really good on the ball. Um, you know, that the, their strong suit is definitely their, their passing and their offensive ability. They've got Gustav Svensson, who sort of sits between the two center backs. So they, and then they push their, their fullbacks really high up. So they want to, um, they want to possess the ball. They want to attack down the left side combined with Brad Smith, their left back, uh, whoever's playing left mid who lately it's been Jordan Morris. And then, um, you know, they want to, they want to get the ball into the box and then sort of cross towards the, um, the penalty spot for hopefully Raul Ruiz Diaz to put it in the net. So looking back at the, 
uh, Colorado game where Seattle lost two to zero. It looks like, yeah. uh, and looking at just the results throughout the year, it looks like Seattle has been uh, plagued by injuries uh, this season. How was that? How how's how has the team dealt with that? And are they going to be able to fix anything against DC United? Yeah. So, um, like you said, they've they've dealt with they've dealt with some pretty serious injuries throughout the year. Um, and it's sort what ends up happening with the Sounders, and this is this has sort of been an epidemic for you know three or four seasons at this point, but. Um, they won't just get one injury to one starter. What will happen is, you know, Raul Rui Diaz will get a concussion. And then the next week will Bruin, the backup strike will tear his ACL while Jordan Morris is, is gone at the gold cup. So it's like, you know, all the forwards get hurt or all the left backs get hurt, which is, or are absent with international duty, which is what happened against the Rapids. You know, they have, we're familiar with that phenomenon. Have, yeah. <laughs> so on one hand, it's unfortunate that, the injuries that are happening for the Sounders are happening, but this has sort of been a, a several season thing that, you know, is probably going to have to be addressed in the off season with, with a lot of roster overhaul. But um, like you said, you can't do anything right now in September. So, um, you know, we'll see against DC United. Um, the Sounders actually have a midweek game on Wednesday against uh, at home against FC Dallas, which um if I'm in the head of Brian Smetzer and the coaching staff, I would think that that's probably a more important game this week than DC United, given the battle for playoff position in the West is so tight that, you know, um, they would view getting three points against, um, against Dallas is more important than DC United. But if they, um, you know, if they don't manage to do anything on Wednesday against DC United, then, or excuse me, against FC Dallas, then the DC United game becomes very important. And so my other question right now, at least is uh, Seattle has a number of forwards. They've got uh, Rui Diaz, they've got Jordan Morris, uh, but one player who's been out for a long time is noted DC United killer, uh, Will Bruin. Uh, Yeah. How badly do you think uh, Seattle misses them? Do they not really miss them at all? Or would he have been a useful player uh, coming down the the back half of this season? So there's obviously been a lot of debate about Will Bruin um, pretty much his entire time here in Seattle. Um, I'm of the opinion that, um, you know, he's just about as good as a, an American forward that you're going to get in this league, um, especially at the – at the salary hit that he had, you know, the amount of goals that he scored in MLS, he's very valuable to any team he's on. And I'm really, uh, I'm really grateful that he's playing for the Seattle Sounders, at least before he got injured and hopefully after he's uh, recovered from his injury. And I think the way that this season was, um, was set up, I think you could make the argument. And I have previously in, um, in writing that I've done for the site that, uh, Will Bruin is probably the most important player for the Sounders. Um, you know, not in terms of production, not in terms of, you know, what he brings on the field or anything, but, um, we always knew Raul Rui Diaz was going to be gone at the gold cup or excuse me, Copa America. Um, and we knew Jordan Morris was going to be gone most likely too. And we knew that that summer, you know, June and July there, we were going to need to rely on Will Bruin and that's right when he got hurt. And then that's sort of right when things started 
falling off um, for the Sounders. So um, I think a lot of Sounders fans disagree with me, which is fine. Um, <laughs> that's makes for a healthy debate, <laughs> but um, I certainly just, I obviously just made the case that uh, having him throughout this summer stretch where things have not been going super well um, would be nice. Um, and he scored so many important goals for the Sounders like last year against Minnesota he scores that chip, but like right at the, I think it was the 96th minute. Um, he scored a lot of important goals in the playoffs, like against Houston um, on the way to the 27 MLS cup or uh, 2017 MLS cup. Um, yeah. So they obviously miss him. Um, they tried to replace him with uh, former DC United player, Luis Silva. Uh, are you familiar with him? You played for oh, DC, there. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was part of the double <laughs> false nine system with Dero. Yeah. Uh, he's come in. Uh, they signed him right, right at the end of the uh, secondary transfer window in August. Uh, he hasn't scored yet. He started against Colorado. You know, he um, is doing his best, but um, you, c- you can't really replace the way that Will Bruin plays um, no silva's much more of a second right forward if he's the the same guy he was yeah. when he was here you mean 2013 u.s open cup winner Luis Silva? <laughs> i i do in fact and wooden spoon winner let's let's not yeah so you're you're feeling it, it sounds like you're pretty down on the sounders and i don't know if that's that's necessarily a fair characterization i just checked the standings and you are still in second place in the west the only team yeah. above you is lafc and there's no shame. They're in a that. different league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I do sound a little down on the Sounders, and you did kind of point out the, you know, the paradox of the season that um, you look at the you look at the Sounders schedule, you look at the results they've gotten, you look at the just even like the microcosm of uh, the game against the Red Bulls, like things are okay and are pretty good actually uh, for the Sounders. You know, they are in second place. It's likely that they might, they'll, f- if they finish with 59 points, they will finish with the third most point 59 or 61 points is, is are the possibilities there. If, you know, things go, things go as well as we hope they do. That'll be the third most points they've ever gotten in an MLS season in 10 plus years. So like, on one hand, the season started with uh, with such a bang, and they were probably the best team in MLS in March and early April. And then with injuries and call-ups and just sort of um, falling off the wagon a little bit uh, defensively with Chad Marshall's retirement, um, it it's, it's always going to feel like a season that could have been a lot better. And especially with how good LAFC is playing, you 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 wonder like, okay, is there a more interesting supporter shield race that happens if you know the Sounders keep it together? But we'll never know. We've gone from the handshake meme to the the two Spider Man's meme because <laughs> right. there's a lot of DC United in what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark, we, we you know you mentioned that you've got Dallas on uh, Wednesday night. Um, when you look at, when you look at what Brian Schmetzer likes to do with his group, um, I guess it's a two part question. First, do you expect him to rotate very much for that one at all? Or is he going to, um, 
roll with starters again, and then whoever's left uh, able to stand for uh, the weekend uh, gets gets the start in DC. And then, if that's the case, if if he is going to rotate heavily, as you already kind of hinted, is probably what's coming. Um, who are you looking for to sort of step up? Because I look at the bench and I see, you know, Joven Jones only played a few minutes against the Red Bulls. Um, Emmanuel Sacchini, uh was one of the transfer window acquisitions and they, or he didn't play in this last game. So um, they might be maybe fresh for the weekend. Yeah. So um, I think if uh, there's a little bit of precedent for a week, like uh, the Sounders are having, um, if you look back at their schedule um, beginning of May, they, uh, they played a, uh, I believe it's Houston on the weekend, and then they had a midweek game at home against Orlando, and then they flew across the country to play in Philadelphia. And uh, what Brian Spencer did there was um, the two home games, he went as strong as possible. Um, I think there was an injury picked up in the Houston game that maybe there was one or two changes to the lineup um, for the midweek game, but then there was like eight or nine changes for the Philadelphia game. And um, I think you could probably see something pretty similar, although I don't think you can afford to make that many changes. And I don't, I don't even know if that's really that wise to do, but yeah, I think, um, I think Brian Spencer would, and the Sounders will go really strong against Dallas, given that if they beat them, you know, a home playoff game is, is pretty much locked in there unless, you know, they lose three straight in the season. But um I think he goes as strong as possible against Dallas. The PC being on Sunday definitely helps. I, I think the I think the game against Philadelphia was on a Saturday, so mm-hmm. this this gives a this gives them an extra day. Then again, they played on Sunday this week, um, so yeah, I think um, I think for you guys when when you see this when you see the lineups drop on Wednesday night against FC Dallas, I think you'll kind of know how serious they're going to take that. And then what you could kind of expect for DC United, given that that game is still two days away. What I would expect for DC United is, um, I don't like Emmanuel Cicini, who's a, a, a Tam defensive midfielder that they signed mm-hmm. from, um, Malaga, who's now in the second division in Spain, I think, um, he's sort of seen as the future of the position, like kind of the long-term replacement for Ozzy Alonso. Mm-hmm. Um, but given that the predicament that the Sounders have found themselves in towards the second half of the season, I don't, I don't think they've really been able to bed him in as well as they wanted to. Um, he's made some really weird appearances. Like he played in that, um, he made his debut in the Sounders Cascadia cup win in Portland, which is like five minutes and it was run around like a maniac. Um, <laughs> he comes on in the first half in their home win against uh, the LA galaxy. And that was because Jordy Dillon got a concussion and kind of looked out of his depth. Um, quite frankly, he looked awful against Colorado, but everybody looked awful. And I'm just going to forget that that game ever happened. Um, and then again, he didn't play against the Red Bulls. So um, I think like I'm, I'm not going to make any judgments about him this this season just because you know, they've got Gustav Svensson, they got Jordy Delam, they've got Christian Roldan for that position. Uh, but if this week goes how I think it's going to go, I think there's likelihood that you could see 
him start in DC. Um, you'll see Harry ship start probably. Um, maybe you see uh new who start at left back. Maybe Jovan Jones starts in the midfield. Um, kind of, kind of depends how things go Wednesday night. Cause if they w- draw or lose that game against Dallas, then, then they have to get all three points against DC. So, and then they don't have a choice to rotate. Uh, Mark, what we, last week we had uh, Will Conwell on to talk about Portland and there's an issue that they were going through that you guys in Seattle are going through as well. Um, anyone that was watching the Sounders game saw uh, the Emerald city supporters clear out of their section, um, which is a lot of people. Dramatically. It's, it's, yeah. It's yeah. two people or it's two sections worth of people clearing out over a um, capo being thrown out over an mm-hmm. iron front uh, flag being thrown. You could actually see it on the broadcast. Unfortunately, the broadcast that was shown on ESPN plus did not address this at all. They just, <laughs> was it, it the happened. New York one? Yeah. Um, it was yeah. visually going on, but the, the New York broadcast was talking about um, uh, Shep messing was saying words, uh, I think is the best way to put it. Um, <laughs> he does that. Yeah, he, he does. He does say a lot of words. Um bring us up to speed on what's happening because I know that situation has, there's more stuff on it today than there was yesterday for sure. Yeah. So um, I don't know how, how far back you need me to go. Um, I suppose your, your listeners um, aren't necessarily keeping up completely on what's happening, but I think there's some awareness. Yeah. So um July 21st was the first match between the Sounders and the Timbers this season in Seattle. Um, Both Timbers Army and ECS sort of agreed to fly an iron front flag for the first time in CenturyLink this season then. And um, I honestly, I I covered that game live. I was there um, and I, I didn't even notice what was going on until that actually the next day after the game, mm. once I sort of found out how upset the league got and, you know, sort of ki- kicking, trying to kick a couple people out, taking the flag from Timbers army and stuff. Um, and then obviously a month later in, um, in Portland, there was that, there was that massive protest where uh, both supporter sections were quiet for 33 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh the league has just sort of handled this as poorly as possible, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. Um, that is not a controversial. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like where, you know, whatever your political stance is on this particular issue, uh, I don't haven't met very many people who think that those, uh, that the league has handled this very well. And so that's sort of where things are at. The Sounders, or excuse me, ECS Emerald City supporters decided to fly the flag again on Sunday. Um, it was up for probably the the last fifteen minutes of the first half, and then all the way through halftime. So that's about half an hour. Mm. Um, different, you know, kind of different people were flying it, but um, the most prominent member of ECS is the lead capo closest to the field. So he was the one that kind of got. Um, got the attention of security security escorted him out and then ECS decided to walk out. Um, it wasn't pre-planned. Um, you know, they weren't thinking, at, um, you know, they weren't like planning on doing this, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't like a publicity stunt or anything. Mm. Um, 
ECS believes that you follow your capo and if your capo leaves, then you do too. So um, I know that this week on, I believe, September 19th, Timbers Army, ECS, um, and some other supporters groups are meeting with the league in uh, Las Vegas during the league's cup final. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, hopefully something productive can come from that meeting. But right now it sort of feels like the there's not much room to go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I was talking to someone today and he suggested the, what seems like a, the most obvious compromise because one of the, the, the underlying issue is MLS adopted a new fan cone of conduct leading yeah. into this year where political statements are not allowed in the stadium. And, and that's, as I've said on the show previously, an absurd position because there's no such thing as a statement that's not political. Um, Anything you say can be deemed political. If, if so, if you limit or, or more specifically define political, you say nothing election or campaign related, no endorsements of specific politicians or, or policies. That's at least a, a, easily definable universe versus nothing political, which is an absurd, surreal, almost uh, statement that, that just gives the league unfettered discretion to ban people for no reason at all. Yeah, And it gives teams the ability to do sort of whatever they want, because on the same day, a couple weeks ago, you have uh, Atlanta United supporters holding up a sign that says end gun violence now and four people get banned. And yeah. during the same day, Sons of Ben in Philadelphia have basically a quote from what Alejandro Berdea said. I'm sorry to bring up that game, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know they they have a banner that is is hung. That's a quote of what he said, which is the exact same message. And the league posts mm-hmm. a video on their social media of him autographing it. Yeah, and I mean, then, if anything, Bedoya's yeah. statement was was more political. End gun violence is kumbaya to the extreme it's not saying <laughs> congress do something now which were bedoya's yeah. exact words one of them is calling for political action one of them is calling for social action i would argue and yeah. the one that's not as political as the one that got punished by mls it's and and you have different standards when it comes to the iron front where uh in in most stadiums shirts are fine some yeah. stadiums, two poles are even fine as long as it's not a large banner. But you have Minnesota banning any display, including on T-shirts and presumably tattoos. If someone has an Iron Front tattoo, they can be thrown out yeah. of, of Minnesota Stadium. So it's it, some teams are taking it to an extreme that illustrates the point Iron Front uh, supporters are, are making or a United Front supporters are making. And uh, elsewhere, you just have random whatever teams want to do it's it's not a tenable situation i hope something good comes out of las vegas i guess is what i'm saying yeah and i don't know what's going to happen on wednesday night uh i know that team of uh, sounders officials and leaders of ecs are in a constant dialogue um actually following brian spencer's press conference on uh sunday night a team official um made himself available Taylor Graham, the vice president of business operations um, for media questions. Um, 
the team gets it. I think um, the league puts everybody in a hard position. ECS leadership, I, I think, is doing the right thing here by saying, look, we showed the league what what we showed them. We're going to have this meeting on Thursday. Hopefully something good comes from it. Um, and, yeah, so um, – I like I literally have no idea what's going to happen, <laughs> I've, and I've just sort of stumbled into reporting on this issue for the last couple of months because um, it's happening here. <laughs> the Streisand effect is a very real phenomenon, as it turns out. Yeah, uh, I let's got come back because of this. <laughs> oh God, that's not okay. Just right. to be clear, if anyone here hearing that thought. No, that's not an okay thing yeah. to call someone for reporting ever. Let's turn back onto the field. Um, we we like to end these these interviews with um, by by basically asking you to to switch sides for a moment. If yeah. you were setting up against the Sounders and trying to game plan against Brian Schmetzer, what would you be focusing on? What would you be trying to do? So, um, I mentioned. I mentioned earlier in the segment about the new center backs um, that they have, Kim Key and um, Ariaga. And th- like, it's tough because I think they're both very good center backs in this league. Uh, Ariaga is actually the third DP right now. Um, he starts, he plays for Ecuador. Kim Key's kind of played all over the world. And I think like the long-term vision is there, but just um, the incohesiveness of the team, given the injuries in midfield and at, at fullback positions. And um, it just, they haven't had time to settle. So um, if, if the first thing I would do is if I was an opposing team, I'd try to sign, I'd try to sign Zlatan because he's tall <laughs> and he's big and he's really strong. And neither of these center backs are very good in the air. Uh as you saw in the two games against the Galaxy last month, <laughs> uh, I think the Galaxy scored like five or six goals against the Sounders in like a week's time. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't pretty. Um, but I don't think DC United had Zlatan, and hopefully they don't next weekend. Um, we do have Steve Birnbaum and Fred Briant. Yeah. which And uh, Wayne Rooney is not tall or strong anymore. <laughs> he's never been tall, but um, no, he's actually been shrinking. He's five foot five now. <laughs> yeah, he's um, like a reverse Benjamin it's Button. Been a weird, been a weird season. Isn't a reverse Benjamin Button just normal life? Yeah, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> but shrinking, nonetheless. But shrinking. Um, we'll, we'll say, but shrinking. So all that to say, uh, if you don't have Zlatan. And if you have a shrinking Wayne Rooney, I think you need to catch this team in transition. Um, because, uh, because I mentioned how, how Brian Spencer likes to set up his team. It's uh, very focused on having possession. They push their fullbacks very high up the field. Um, you know, Brad Smith is effectively a left winger for this team offensively with Jordan Morris, then being another striker in the box. Um, and because they're so predominantly heavy attacking that left side, if you can cause a turnover there and, um, 
and get the get the defense in transition, attacking the left hand side of them. Um, a lot of teams had have have had joy doing that. Um, both Colorado goals, even though I mentioned, I never want to talk about that game again. Again, both of their goals came in, but um, off of uh, offensive turnovers, and then bringing the team into transition. Um, despite actually American soccer analytics released a graphic a couple of days ago that sort of debunked my theory that they're terrible in transition. It actually looks like the Sounders are somewhat okay defending the counterattack, but um, the eye test the last month shows that they're not, I guess. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not one to, I'm not one to argue against the stats because I really appreciate that. But like, I've literally watched this team with my eyes and I think that that's what's happened. Um, like if you look at the two Red Bull goals, um, crosses from outside the box into into the penalty area against two center backs that aren't great in the air, kind of add up the math. And you can do that there. All right. Well, we'll see if DC United can can make that happen on Sunday. Mark, thanks for coming on the show. Tell our listeners where they can find you online. Yeah, so um, thanks for having me, of course. Um, managing editor at Sounder at Heart. Um, Twitter account's MKSTNR. I post pictures of my corgi all the time. So if you like dogs and um, you like memes, you know where to find me. <laughs> all right, get your handshakes and your dueling Spider-Man at Mark's Twitter account. Find us at blackandredunited.com if you want to support us financially patreon.com slash filibuster is the place to do that find us on twitter at filibuster dcu for the podcast at black and red U for the website send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com find us download rate review subscribe wherever you get your podcasts mostly though tell a friend about the show when you're uh tailgating or pre-gaming wherever you are before sunday's game just mention the show to a friend and we'd really appreciate it for Jason and Ben and thanking Mark Kastner one more time. I'm Adam Taylor and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Apple season. Apple season. Apple season.